0: Welcome to Clock Out, the Vicarious Life Podcast. This is for the mavericks of the world who are embracing freedom and discovering purpose. Need a surge of inspiration? You're in the right place. I'm your host, Tracy Miller, a free-spirited, joy-seeking entrepreneur who is on a mission to find like-minded, open-hearted freebirds to share their stories of triumph, struggle, and inspiration. Until you're ready for your own adventure, let's clock out and live vicariously through others who have blazed the trail. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Clock Out the Vicarious Life. Today I am excited because I get the privilege of speaking with Lillian Brummett. Uh, Lillian and her husband Dave are the team behind the Brummett Media Group. Their business includes Dave's Music Studio, a percussion repair service, and numerous award-winning nonfiction books, a YouTube channel, and two popular blogs. But the invitation to come on the show didn't necessarily come from just their businesses. I love the story behind what brought them to this point in their lives where they are living a more simple, meaningful, and purpose-driven life after some uh, pretty, pretty catastrophic events in their life that Lillian is kind enough to share with us. And hopefully this can be a lesson for our listeners to live for the now, live in the moment rather than waiting for time to present something permissive for us to finally start living. So with that, welcome Lillian, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much, Tracy, for having me on your show. It's such a pleasure to be here. I really enjoy listening to your podcast. And uh, yeah, I'm just such, I'm so honored to be here. I feel honored oh, to be here. Oh,
0: thank you so much. And you are coming to us from British Columbia, Canada, correct? That's right. That's right. Yeah. It sounded, a, when I first started um, listening to you, I, I was thinking, is this Minnesota? Because it had a little, bit of a, <laughs> a little bit of a Minnesota accent, a little bit of a North Dakota. And then yeah. when you said BC, I'm like, yep, there it is. <laughs> (laughs) Canada. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. We're from, you know, Montana and we get a lot of, when people are asking where I'm from, I get a lot of Minnesota. Uh, it's something with, there's some sort of a, a draw that we share you and I. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anyway. Um, okay. So, I guess before we go back to the, you know, go to our backstory on what led you up to your your current life, why don't you tell me a little bit about the business that you and Dave have created? Just, you know, what do you do on a day-to-day? And then we'll go back to how you created that.
1: Okay. Um, okay. So Dave and I work collaboratively to run the Bremit Media Group. The Bremen Media Group has slowly evolved since uh, we started it probably around 1999, the early stages of it, maybe 1998, right around there. Um, And we started with Dave uh, with his drum manufacturing and percussion uh, percussion repair and his performances as well. And it started with him while we were working towards uh, uh, building a writing career. Mm. Um, we were, you know, taking courses, starting out as a freelance writer. Later on, we evolved as uh, so we became like uh, staff writers for various publications, assignment writers, which means you're not necessarily on staff, but they'll call you when they have a project that they want you to write about,
0: mm. uh,
1: you know, go and interview this uh, alternative agriculture that's going on in this region um, and submit it to me by this date. So that's an assignment rather than freelance. So then we also did, you know, a combination of the freelance and the assignment along with a column that I had written. The column uh, was called Trash Talk, and it was about uh, looking at uh, our waste in a more proactive way. And it got picked up internationally. It was published, you know, France and a couple of places in Africa and all over Canada and, and a few places in the States as well. And so it got picked up and it was published uh, usually weekly or bi- bi-weekly, depending on the publication. Eventually that evolved into our first you know book the trash talk book which is now a two book series today we have six books that are on amazon for people to wow. browse. Uh they just type in the name brummett b-r-u-m-m-e-t on oh. amazon and they'll find us there and we also run two blogs two very popular blogs and we also have a youtube channel as part of the Brummet media group business wow. the lower half of our home is actually converted over to a studio For Dave to do his drum teaching and to do the audio and ads and graphic work for our business, Uh he has his office down there as well. We have a little gift shop corner in in as is part of the studio, and it has little ornamental drums that we make with the, uh, like, leftover supplies from doing repairs. Nice. there will be old heads or pieces of drum heads and things, so we make sure that we reuse and repurpose, and we mm-hmm. have all of these different kind of things there. Uh, there's mm-hmm. professional drums there as well that Dave makes, a few other different kinds of percussion items. Um, I also include things like, our, you know, from around the yard we do a lot of our own gardening uh producing a lot of our own jams and jellies and wines and syrups and you know dried herbs and whatever so those types of pickles and relishes those are all down there samples of it for people to pick up as well so it's nice little gift shop area yeah and Uh, you guys have a book
0: on gardening too right is it is i saw that on your your website is it recipes from the garden is that what that book is well, yes,
1: actually, this there's a plan with that book. The It's called From One Small Garden, oh. Over 300 Nutritious Delicious Recipes. That is actually our most recent book. It was released mm. in February or March or something like that of, of 2021. Oh. And it has had, it's kept us really busy. It's had a, a really big audience. the The theme behind From One Small Garden is to encourage people to cook uh, with a lot of flavor, a lot yeah. of nutrition. i've I've taken nutrition courses. Um and so, as a certified nutritionist, I can include like um, uh, information about the micronutrients that are in herbs, or I'll wow. talk about the alternative agriculture or historical facts about different. Uh, fruits or vegetables that are in the recipe or Mm -hmm. where it comes from you know the 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 culture itself how that particular dish evolved into what it is now or whatever and so it's it's based on internet there's international so you know one moment you're going to be looking at Uh, sweet wheat germ bread. And then you might be going to Thai salad, Thai noodle salad, or you might be looking at broccoli mushroom salad or, or an Indonesian stir fry. There's all these different types of uh, international dishes in there. But again, the main focus is cooking with superfoods at their Mm. peak nutrition and peak nutrition. So this is where you're going to be looking at not only gardening for yourself, or purchasing locally or visiting your farmers market. Mm. So it your farmers market it also could be like say a retail store that supports local producers. Local. doesn't have to be, you know, uh, go to the farmer's market, you just go to a real retailer that purchases from locals. The reason why you want to do this uh, is twofold. It has a major impact on the environment, our diet has a major impact on the environment. So when we look at our plate, how far did each item on that plate travel before we picked it up at the grocery store, right? We drove Uh there, we picked it up, we had bags, we had packaging that came with it, but how far did that travel? So now it's being packaged and repackaged and shipped and warehoused and all the fossil fuels and all the packaging that is behind the scenes that we don't even see, Mm -hmm. all the waste that we don't even see, the damage, you know, all of that, that happens in those different scenarios. So uh, by the time we get our food, it has this huge environmental cost to it. Sure. So by purchasing locally, we eliminate that kind of uh, environmental impact, negative environmental impact. We increase our positive environmental impact because when we're buying local, smaller farmers, they specialize in all these different things. So now you have all of these, you know, this hundreds of different producers in your area, perhaps Mm -hmm. thousands that are all specializing in their own thing, which means it's not hectares of one crop. It's mm. multiple different crops being grown, and each one of these small farmers have they really care about their 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 earth and sure. the soil and mm-hmm. the pollinators and bees and things like that. So they they really care about these things because they're very intensely growing on a very small amount of property, and that well by encouraging that by in supporting them, we are benefiting the birds, the bees, the butterflies, the organic, right. you know, all of that when we get it to our plate because it's produced locally it's more than, you're more than likely going to be you know basing your meals then on seasonally produced foods sure because of that because it hasn't been shipped and because it's been recently harvested we're getting that uh the, that item at its peak nutrition so when something is uh harvested in china and then shipped and warehouses housed and shipped and brought to us by the time it gets to us it's actually dissipated a great deal of the nutrients in there in that food have dissipated they're no longer there and then we're going to take it home we're going to cook it and whatever we're going to do from there right so our our value of our dollar is much greater because we're purchasing foods that have the you know the peak nutrition in them sure And therefore our diet is going to be we're going to be healthier people yeah. so it's there's a lot of reasons behind that book secondly we have a sister book coming out in 2024 that kind of goes along with from one small garden and it's actually a backyard garden guide book oh. it's going to encourage anyone that has any tiny small piece of ground to grow oh. on or a sidewalk or a Patio or anything, any area you can grow. You can grow along your fence line. You can grow in front of a sun-soaked window and shade it, and improve your energy costs and create, uh, you know, a habitat for butterflies. And produce your own cucumbers or your own beans oh. or something so it, it invites people to not only save energy around their home their property we talk about how we personally have both our homes now have doubled in value our first home and this home both doubled in value because of the work we put into the property sure. and into uh, the home itself in improving it so we show the value of that uh, real estate you go to any real estate office, and they'll tell you if you have a beautiful uh, landscaped lot, your value of your property is at least fifteen percent more than market value. So you know that you're going to be earning back value, regardless.
0: Sure. Of- yeah, and it it makes it it makes it a lot more marketable too, even on top of the actual value. It makes it just more desirable as well, makes it sell faster. And I tell you what, if if I could just borrow you for like this summer, maybe, and (laughs) you could come to my house and uh, teach me how to get my garden going. It's on my to-do list this summer. I've got a little spot in the back that I've got already. My husband's going to irrigate it and put a little, so we've got some automatic waters there and it's South facing. I cannot wait. We are going to, we're going to build a little fairy garden. So it looks cute by a sitting meditation area. And then we want to put a little green greenhouse for all the the stuff but then I'm going to need your book because I don't know I can't I I mean okay I I can keep dogs alive kids I do pretty good at plants (laughs) though they don't stand a chance in my care so I got I got a lot of learning to do to get my green thumb greened up (laughs) greened up yeah the 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 best
1: uh, piece of advice that I could give you to start out as a gardener is concentrate on your soil first build your soil first don't chintz out on that make sure you have lots of compost like if you aren't composting already make sure you start right away make Uh sure that you're adding that annually to your beds so you can start enriching the soil the The more healthy your soil is, the less pests that you're going to have, the less, uh, problems you're going to have with your crops, the less susceptible Mm -hmm. they're going to be to viruses and other things. And the more healthy your food is going to be, because that's where they're getting their nutrients from either the air or the soil. So, you know, and soil is something we can control.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I love what you said about like the waste. I didn't, I didn't think about that all the way from the point of origin to my dinner table. I always think about it from the store. It drives me absolutely insane to go in and buy everything wrapped in plastic. I mean, it's, it's a plastic container to hold the berries. It's a plastic wrap around the styrofoam bottom. And then, you know, they've they put it into plastic bags. I have my little take home carriers that are reusable because I'm like, well, that's about all I can do. But you're right. If you buy local, you eliminate all of that waste, all of the fuel to get it from point A to point B to point C. And then like, I just, I just told one of my dear friends, Ashley, she's listens to my podcast. So she's going to hear this. I, you get home with your produce, you hack it open and it's rotten. I mean, we have a day to two days, so then it's complete and total waste. And all of that environmental impact is for nothing. Cause it went straight into my garbage. Cause it's rotten mm-hmm. by the time I get it. And cause we're in rural Montana uh, by the time we get stuff, I mean, I, I get an avocado. It was uh, it felt just perfect, brought it home, cut it open. The whole thing's black inside. I'm like, gosh. And so yeah. then I just, because I don't like to waste the food. I I don't like to, obviously you pay $4 for an avocado right now. You get it home, it's it's rotten, it's no good. So then I naturally, I'm like, well, I'm not gonna buy avocados anymore. So then my body misses out on all the nutrients that come from the fresh produce. And then people that don't have the ability to buy produce, which is more expensive, and they're not gonna do it if it's rotten, et cetera. Then they buy processed and their health is just not as good. So your cause, it just in that one little tiny piece of what we've talked about so far in this big picture of purpose that you've, that you guys are working towards is very near and dear to my heart. So hats off to you on that component alone. (laughs) And you're (laughs) going to teach me how to garden this summer.
1: (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes. Actually, you know, you can go to our blog, the Brummett's Conscious blog. You'll Mm. find if you look in the search section section on the upper right-hand side, there's a little Uh. blue link that says search, just click there and type in the a question, not the question, but the topic that you're looking for. Mm. And you'll probably find that at some point in the last 20 years of running the blog, there's yeah. an article pertaining to what you're looking for.
0: Oh, yeah. I love it. A wealth of free information even yeah. to start out and then we can buy your books. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so now that we have an idea of the happy little life that you guys are living currently, if you don't mind, I'd like to go back into some of the darker times to to talk about what led you here, because I feel like that is the most important lesson for a lot of our listeners is, I mean, I know that there's so many people that have found and created happiness in their lives. And people look at those people and think, well, that they're lucky, they're special, they're oh, um, they had a, a hand up or whatever it may be, but it's it's just not true. Most of us are normal people, you yourself, very normal person, and you had to overcome quite a bit of, of um, turmoil to get to where you're at now, uh, starting with your childhood. Tell me a little bit about your childhood. You mentioned that you had lived with some abuse, some neglect, and that you were independent by 13.
1: Mm. Yeah, um, my mom, uh, she married um, a 42 year old, my biological dad, when she was 18. She wanted Mm. to get out of the home and she thought that at the time that was how you did it. And so she married this 42 year old man and she had three children with him. And I don't know if she ever really, truly loved him or just loved the idea of being married sure. and getting out of the home anyway their relationship wasn't a healthy one and he got involved in an accident he you know this is the 70s you know everybody was doing all kinds of things and he yeah. was in that group and mm-hmm. although he was very brilliant he held a job with an off branch of nasa actually wow. um, down in the states uh, and so um but he got involved in this accident where if, from my understanding, his car had uh, landed in somebody's pool or something like that. And he ended up getting some like brain damage from being in the water. I'm not really sure. Mm. And the hospital gave him all kinds of heavy medications at the Mm. time. So when he came out of the hospital, he had actually addicted, he became addicted to these medications. And that also altered his personality. And between my mom's sort of uh antagonist uh personality Mm -hmm. and his situation i think it became like a volcano Mm -hmm. and so they they separated now i was only three at the time so i have very 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 little memory if any at all of all of this This is mostly hearsay from Mm -hmm. that point uh at that point she um she moved to another location she ended up um Uh, keeping us away from him for some reason we never met him again after that until we were in our 20s but uh, uh, we moved to another location she met this other fellow who was uh, training to be a lawyer and she started a a house cleaning business and they married but he ended up uh, spending most of his days with me Uh, because the boys were in school and I was because I was in school part time and what have you just starting full-time schools I'm not really sure right around that age and unfortunately his attentions uh, became sexual towards me Mm -hmm. and so uh, I admitted that to my mom one day at that while we were doing dishes and everything changed nobody talked about it Nobody uh, talked about it from that point, moment. But the minute I opened my mouth, man, the whole family changed. The whole family dynamic changed. Uh, he ended up going to jail for it for a while and and all of that. Uh, I didn't have to go to court or anything like that. They got Good. divorced. Um, several years later, she answered an ad and she was dating these crappy men. Uh, she ended up answering an ad uh, in a newspaper And uh, the next thing we knew, uh, she left us yet again with someone else. And she went up to go meet this man. And then she comes back and she gets us. And we went up and moved into this uh, mountainous area of BC to this new (laughs) stepdad who was an alcoholic and incredibly abusive. He bullied my brothers. They were both on their own when they were 16 um, and he traumatized me really badly. Um, I was sent away for two years. She left him brought me back into her life. So here I am like 12 years old oh. living with my mom again, who is kind of a stranger at this point. Yeah. And I'm really angry person. You know, I'm an angry yeah. kid. I'm, you know, kids are screwed up anyway, but I was at really that age. Screwed it's up. That, yeah. yeah. It's that volatile <laughs> yeah. Kind of age. It was, you know, and so there was a lot of conflict. So she, um she unfortunately leaned on me a lot. I became her friend, her confidant. She was oh. telling me things that kids shouldn't know. She was leaning on me in a way that kids should never have those responsibilities. Yeah. And I wasn't, I didn't have the skills to take up that responsibility. I tried, I tried yeah. to be there, but I wasn't that kind of person. And it made me angrier that she was relying on me. I became sure. angry about that. And uh, eventually, you know, she was working really hard. She always worked. She always paid the bills. She was always very good about keeping food on the table. Um, So she was gone a lot. And so that meant that I was doing the house cleaning and I was doing my own meals, you know, uh, most of the time. And um, at one point I had been working uh, to little jobs after school and stuff like that. And I had come back from a babysitting job, Mm. which a friend had met me at this babysitting job. And she said, there's this party down the street. Let's go check it out. Right. And so us girls, we were like, woohoo, let's go check this party out. Right. So we both went over there and we checked it out and it was great. We felt like super popular and everything was awesome. And then we ended up walking back. And as we're walking back, it dawns on us that, okay, we're going to be in a lot of trouble when we get home. Right. Yeah. So she comes, walks me home. And I was like, oh, I know it's going to be a huge volcano when I get home. And uh, there was uh, a garbage bag and half of my belongings and a note telling me that I was on oh. my own. And how the, old are you now? That was the first and only time that I went to a party or did anything like that, or oh. didn't show up on time. And mm. so my, as you can tell, my mom was very strict, <laughs> yeah. very volatile and very antagonistic. And uh, so I was uh, just, I was 13 and a half at that point. Cause it was summer. Uh, and, um, I basically slept on benches and friends' houses and things like that until I, uh, was able to have enough random jobs. I always worked cleaning out chicken houses or milking cows or raking somebody's yard or doing house cleaning or babysitting or whatever I could do, picking grapes, whatever, you know, working in the onion fields, whatever I could do for those cash earnings. And I ended up
0: earning enough that I could get an apartment. So, so where is, first... where's child services at this point? Cause I assume you're still in school. Right.
1: That's actually a really good point. I had to leave school because I was working full time. And also because I felt so uh, different from the other kids. Yeah. One of the most profound things that stood out for me, we were having like, I don't know, some kind of square dance thing in the, in the class. And uh, one of the boys was holding my hands and he said, your hands are like, a man's like his dad's because I was working in the fields you know I had rough hands and Mm -hmm. cracked and stuff they weren't girly I wasn't a girly girl like all the other girls I wasn't interested in boys that's the last thing I wanted was boys or men or anything and so uh so I was very different from the girls and I was while I was very popular and got along with everyone I just always felt other than very very different you know they had their you know home life and they're complaining about you know girly things or household things or chores that they had to do and for me it was like well that would be heaven you know yeah I had no idea where they were coming from and so I ended up leaving school and working full-time all these different jobs my first apartment actually uh that I had I got it when I was about 14 14 and a half somewhere around there and I uh found out that um later on, uh, that the landlord or not the landlord, the person who was managing the apartment Uh complex was not letting the owners know that all of the places were rented. (laughs) And so I guess that's how I was able to rent and pay cash. I never thought of it. I was very innocent. I didn't know.
0: You wouldn't know the difference. um,
1: Yeah, I didn't actually get caught living on my own till I was 16. I ended up going to the women's shelter because one of the apartment complexes that I was living in this crazy party happened and all of a sudden the the whole complex it was getting ripped apart by people there Mm -hmm. were police everywhere it was really crazy I had nothing to do with the party I was in my own apartment but it was happening in the complex and it really freaked me out Mm -hmm. I just jumped in a cab with my blanket and I went straight to the women's shelter because I didn't know what else to do and at that point they were like yeah um You can't be living on your own. You're (laughs) like, I've been doing this for two years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. And so they put me in a foster home at that point until, and you know, I had to go back to school, get my grade 10, um, stuff like that. So it,
0: yeah. It was was foster care positive for you? Was it a good experience? Um, it wasn't. It wasn't. I felt very awkward,
1: uh, very uncomfortable with the whole situation. I mean, sure. it was uh, uh, a couple and their son, and family dynamics. Oh, we're all going to eat together. What the heck is this? You know, <laughs> yeah, it was just like me. really weird, and everything was weird and awkward. Um, yeah. I was chronically having nightmares. I had a real hard time sleeping. I always have. Um, i thankfully I'm no longer played by nightmares, but f- right up into my almost thirties, I had nightmares, mm. really bad nightmares and she helped me understand them. She, because of the nightmares, she got to know what was happening with me. She was a, a, a child psychologist oh, and wow. she got me involved in this group called girls attendance program, mm-hmm. where a bunch of us who had gone through some pretty heavy traumatic situations were put together to actually learn how to be kids, how to be wow. okay with ourselves. And so we did things like, um, oh, crafts and just group activities and sure. talked about things, not counseling, not therapy, but just helping us be our, learn to be ourselves and, yeah. and have an understanding of, of ourselves a little bit. And yeah. that was really helpful for me. That was one of the best things that um, that happened
0: in my youth. Right. Yeah. There's like learning that there's less to life than survival. (laughs) There's the simple things like just having joy and peace and playing and just having non-essential conversations about survival, just conversations with other people, your age, that is just lighthearted and fun. That would be pretty crazy after the stressful times years ahead that, you know, that that you had just lived through. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was really interesting and it got me on a journey of like, uh, you know, even in my 20s when I was trying to decide what direction I wanted to go for a career and stuff like that. I leaned back on those times and I look back through some of the paperwork that I still had from some of that mm-hmm. and uh, I went to this college college. Uh, uh, course where they uh did all these tests about personality tests and Uh all of that and that really helped me understand like myself more things that I never asked my what is my favorite color I have no idea you know (laughs) what do I like to wear wear you know just something something that covers my body that was anything you know (laughs) yeah I didn't think about like what I looked like or what I enjoyed or what colors uh. or any of that thing. Cause like you say, the only thing that was on my mind was survival, just getting by and survival. Oh. And so if you were in this sort of, uh, you had your blinders on and mm-hmm. you, I don't know, you, you just, you were focused on just this one thing. So it, it did launch me into this uh, journey of going through, you know, reading self-help books, like crazy. Uh. Um, things like that really helped me, come to understanding of what I was going through and the, and the healing process.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's the, the silver lining, I guess, is that you did at, at your, how old are you now? Probably 16 to 18 timeframe. Is that, uh,
1: yeah, we're talking, yeah, we're talking 16 to 18. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and it's
0: silver lining is, I, I feel like most people don't discover self-help books and, in that inward journey until, you know, sometimes twenties, thirties, forties, never. So at least you were young when you, when you began to really do that self-exploration. So that in itself is a, is a blessing. Uh, yeah, it was. And it wasn't
1: because the reason what my main driving force was at the time was anger. I was Ah. angry. I was like, um, my family, I was a black sheep, right? Sure. My mom was telling my family members that, you know, oh, she's no good, you know, all this. So I was the black sheep, even though I was paying my own rent, putting myself through school, starting businesses, I was the black sheep. So, you know, I wasn't on drugs, I wasn't doing nothing like that. And so, um, you know, I I was offended and I wanted to, oh yeah, I'm going to prove you wrong right ah. and at one time i think i was uh it was when i was still in foster care and i ran into my abuser oh. and um one of like my mom's husband and oh no sorry this was just after i moved in with my mom before we before i was on my own timeline's a little fuzzy yeah, um but i remember that uh i ran into him after school i was with some friends. We were walking home and he found out somehow where I was going to school. And he stopped me and he said, you know, basically he wanted me to uh point him in the direction of where we lived so that oh. he could have a conversation with mom. And uh I wouldn't tell him. And so he got angry with me and he basically in my own words. He basically told me that I was um, never going to be able to have a normal life, that every time I looked in the mirror, I was going to see him, that he would always be a part of me and uh, what we had together and all of that. So um, that really angered me. And so that anger was the reason why I was so determined to heal. It wasn't self-love. It didn't come from a place of, oh, I want to heal this wound. Sure. It came from a uh like aggressive, angry. Oh yeah. I'm going to show you the
0: more. And revengeful. That's where it
1: started. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's where it came from. So in a way it was good, but it sure. came from a point of negativity. It took yeah. me a long time to like uh, calm down that, that anger and that frustration sure. that I was feeling. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Understandable. Okay. So then, so you graduate high school and what, mm-hmm. when did you, you must've met Dave at some point soon yes. after?
1: Yeah. I had just graduated high school and I think, I think I was in the final process of graduating high school. Uh, I was 20, I was 19 or 20 when I first met him. Mm-hmm. And I was also taking a hospitality and business management, uh, course curriculum at the college. So I was doubling up Good my for you. education and I was working. <laughs> <laughs> and paying rent so somehow I did all of that I don't know when you're young you can do so much all the energy um, <laughs> all the energy and all the determination yeah. yeah and so when he met me um he, he took me on a whole new journey of disco- self-discovery because now this was somebody who's like okay this is real feelings now we're delving into Yeah. And, you know can I be strong enough to be vulnerable enough to love mm-hmm. and open myself up to trust and maybe even depend on this person eventually so that was stages that i had to go through over the you know first i don't know 15 20 years of our relationship where i came up upon these roadblocks that i was like okay i got a little more healing to do here yep (laughs) and then (laughs) and then go forward like when i got in the accident after i like i started this business and I had run this business for about six years. It was successful enough that I was starting to hire out. And I was thinking about, you know, taking more time in the office and hiring out staff and building it more. And at that point, I got into this three car pileup. I was in the middle and it totally took like I lost my business. I couldn't do it anymore. Oh. And I ended up becoming dependent on Dave that was really, really hard for me because I had been so independent all this time, right? Right past, you know, into my childhood, I'd always been so independent. And now I had to like uh, rely on somebody else. And not only that, but accept that it was okay to rely on somebody else. Because the guilt and the shame that came from that, it was just incredible. It was like this huge journey I had to go through emotionally just to be okay with being dependent on him that way so it was it was an interesting journey to go through for sure
0: what was the business that you had created at that time yeah it was a cleaning
1: business like a household service business i used to call it like the white glove service we would come in with uniforms and we would make sure like the top of the doors and the baseboards and the light bulbs and like top to bottom we cleaned your house and uh it was very thorough we didn't do any um Part jobs or half jobs. It was like oh. if you're hiring us. We're coming in to scour, and we're coming in, and it's gonna shine. And so, um, yeah, that's what we did.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then, so then you got in this car wreck, yeah. and you lost the business because physically you're not able to work. I'm assuming. Yeah. Yes. That's okay. Right. So yeah, then, yeah, it's it messed up my shoulder, my neck, my knee, my hip. The.
1: Front of the car kind of crushed my hips a bit and screwed up my my knee and my hip, which are you know now that I'm in my 50s really starts to haunt me on certain days. Sure,
0: gosh. (laughs) But you know, okay. So then you and Dave, um, because at this point it says that you were wanting to move forward and you were realizing Mm -hmm. that you wanted to build your life with purpose. Yes, absolutely.
1: You know, I I had. I fell into like a really deep depression at that point, right? Like really deep depression. And to the point where I just, I didn't wanna go on. And um, and I've always struggled with depression. I get real low sometimes. And so um, at that point I was saying to Dave and my mom was really worried about my mental health at that time too. And um, I, I, I said to him, you know what? I, I don't wanna go on like this. I don't wanna do all these shoulds. I'm tired of trying to sure. fit in with all those white picket fencers out there. I wanted to be somehow uh, to do something different, something more fulfilling, um, because trying to be one of them didn't re- didn't help. And you know, I've been doing that all this time and it got taken away from me, everything I put in. And so yeah. I felt like undermined and destroyed and like all that was for nothing. And so I felt like if I was going to go forward, I had to have a reason to go forward. And that's where we started our journey of living a life of purpose.
0: Yeah. And what does that look like at that point? Because you're still young. I mean, you've got to be mid twenties at this point. What is your idea of your purpose at this point after all that you've gone through?
1: Yeah, that, that was a real, uh, Uh, journey just trying to discover what that was going to be you know I knew I wanted to do something I didn't know what you know Uh, that's where writing came back up into the forefront Mm -hmm. Um, I had been writing as therapy I had been you know I'd won a few contests I'd been in a few different uh, projects with writing and it always been there for me I'd always been very comfortable with a pen or Uh keyboard but I never really saw it as a career until after the accident. And I thought, well, maybe this is something I could do, but I always felt less than, you know, little me, how could I possibly uh, be worthy of being published or even have, why would anybody be interested in anything that I wrote? You know, it was a very self, big self-confidence issue that I had, that I had to overcome. And I, coming from a business mindset, having run a business, I wanted to know, how to be a writer from a business point of view. Yeah. How can you make money and survive? Yeah. Well, yes. And how is it run? You know, how do you run your office? How do you manage the queries? How do you, you know, all the, all the record keeping, what do you, I need to do for my taxes, all of this kind of information. Uh And so uh, my husband and I took a a course in that regard, which taught us the business of being Mm -hmm. a writer. And in that course, it said, okay, now that we understand the business, Uh, We want you to write this article that you feel could be, could possibly become a column. And that's where I came up with the trash talk idea. And they said, this is excellent. You've got to take this out and get, you know, query this out. And so I queried it out and it got picked up right away. So it was really encouraging for me to have my very first article, you know, picked up and then eventually turned into a syndicated column.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and this whole time, Dave, because we, we don't know Dave's background necessarily. So he's coming in with a musical musical background, but he's also a writer. He's also a writer. Yeah. He, he really, um,
1: he likes to explore uh, lyrics, um, songwriting uh, uh, short fiction, flash fiction. Um Uh, that's where he was at at the time when we were when we were taking the
0: course yeah okay all right and then so from there you guys had decided also you'd mentioned that you cut out a lot of the negativity from your life what did Mm -hmm. what did that look like what are you cutting out and how are you um, I guess how, how are you managing that and staying disciplined with it
1: So what I had to do for myself and I still do this for myself is I kind of created a bubble around myself, a protective Uh bubble. And I said, if I was going to get out, if I was going to crawl out of this depression, I'm going to have to surround myself with positivity. Mm -hmm. And so I stopped watching news. I actually, uh, we, we haven't had cable or satellite TV in decades. Mm -hmm. Um, we completely cut that out of our life. No, none of that uh, TV. No negative uh, uh, programming. I don't watch videos that are negative. I don't. Um, I don't participate in conversations that are negative. For the most sure. part, there are times when we go there, but I try not to go there. Um, I've tried to change my own thought patterns. You know, when I have something negative comes up, okay, that was a thought, but we're going to change that thought now. And, um, I eliminated, I, I, uh, uh, all the subscriptions to magazines, newspapers, all of those kinds of things gone. And then I started over again. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to have something in my life, it relationships, media, whatever, it has to be positive. And I started feeding my brain with positivity at that point.
0: So you definitely introduced the idea of being fully intentional with, everything in your life you're intentional with what you expose yourself to who you expose yourself to and just protecting all those elements that's Absolutely. that's wonderful and are you learning i mean I, I, are you learning this through therapy through books of you know self-help or is this coming pretty intuitively through your healing process
1: oh uh, that came from like a selfish intuitive self-preservation mm-hmm concept it was just I had to do that because I felt like every single thing like even a negative commercial or commercial that would invoke someone to be a little bit emotional would affect me very deeply like I just had to okay I had to clear out all of that away from me and just very protectively feed myself with nothing but positivity and and it worked I it gave me a, a whole new life it Starting out our career and write as as writers as well with that same focus. What we're going to write about is wow. always going to be something that's positive, proactive, conscious, sustainable, green. We wanted to have that kind of impact with our career. So we weren't going to just talk about oh this you know thing that's happening in the city and write about it for the newspaper. We wanted to have
0: positive uh, legacy with everything that we did. I love that. And, and, you know, what's really admirable and it's not, it's not that you couldn't still do this, but what's admirable to me is that you have such a story that is quote unquote marketable. Like I think a a book publisher would be all over your past story, but instead of monetizing on that, you are choosing to create something from literally the ground (laughs) up and, you know. And something that's positively impacting and helping and benefiting the world as a whole to monetize and to make a living with purpose rather than off of the negative you know backstory, which I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Others could benefit from hearing that's why we're talking about it. But I just think that it's mm-hmm. it's so interesting and and unique that you chose the forward path before you chose where you came from, which is really mm-hmm. interesting. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and which then speaking of the back, the, the past, the history. So at this point you're cutting out and eliminating negativity from your life, but yet this is about the time in your life when you start caregiving for your mother, who was a source of so much pain. How did that come yes. about? Tell me about that part of your life.
1: Well, so, uh, okay. So my mom, part of her manipulation of her kids was to play being sick. Mm. She played that sympathy card often. Mm. And so, oh, look what your kids have done. Now I'm sick. Um, I'm so sick. You guys have to clean the house, whatever. So she would always play that card when we were little. Later on, it became true. She literally became sick. Yeah. Um, she was chronically ill. She ended up having this really awful kidney disease and they couldn't do a lot for her because she had a hole in her heart, which meant she couldn't go through kidney a replacement she's also a very unhealthy person's mm-hmm. lifestyle and that puts her lower on the um, transplant right so all sure. of that played a role in her um decline and um at the time her and her husband her fifth uh fifth husband um was a really nice guy a really tough sort of farmer ex biker sort of guy, but a really nice guy. Oh, good. And um, I really liked him, but I always kept a real barrier between him and I, which I sometimes limit now that I wasn't, I didn't allow us to get closer. Uh, But anyway, he was a nice guy and they, they had a farm together, a five acre farm that was a a catalyst for my mom and I to actually get along. Mm. I was going there to help care for her while I was there. I was picking up all of this uh, hands-on experience of running mm-hmm. a farm and running a market garden and picking her brain. Her, she just she had this encyclopedic brain when it came to like being a master gardener, master composter, ah. master marketer for uh, for things that were produced on the farm and just uh, learning from her. And so that uh, particular passion that we shared together mm-hmm. was what brought us together And even though it was like walking on eggshells, it was like, okay, we'll go there and we're going to go play in the garden, but we have to be really careful about what we talk about. And it can only be for short periods of time because we get irritated with each other, old things come up. So it was a catalyst to help us get together. And so anyway, I was caregiving for her, helping her with the farm, helping her with her home. Uh, If Al needed time to go be away or do something on the farm and couldn't leave her alone towards the end, I would go and, you know, sit with her for hours and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So um, eventually, though, uh, we ended up moving to, uh, to another community about three hours away, three hour drive away. And that meant twice a month. We were going back there, so three hours one way, three hours back. So it was quite a drive, and it took a lot of out of our day, out of our out of our schedule. But it was worth doing because we wanted to make sure that they were okay, and we were taking sure. care of them, and giving Al a break, and all of that kind of stuff. And then um, Dave's dad moved across the street from us, oh, and wow. we started caregiving for him because you know Dave's mom had passed by then. And so uh, every Saturday he was over for dinners. Uh, every, um, at least once a week, he would come by and I would give him packages of, you know, jars of soup or Mm -hmm. whatever, uh, instant meals that I had made for him, for him to just throw in the oven and cook and, um, various things from the garden that I would share with him and all of that. So we were caregiving for him and then driving back and forth and caregiving for my parents until they're passing in 2009. Yeah. At that point, when my parents passed, they chose their own way out. They took their own knife, And um, when they wow. passed, um, it was like a catalyst for Dave and I. Once again, you know, we had moved to the smaller city. Uh, we were feeling like this wasn't exactly where we needed to be. We We had this dream location thinking when we retire, we're going to move there. When we retire, we're going to do these things. We're going to have this life, and we realized at that point that it's not uh, it, that living for tomorrow wasn't something we still wanted to do. We wanted to live for today. We wanted to have our golden moment today because we felt like, while watching our parents and and many of our friends who either were murdered or or died or got in accidents, and we were just like watching all this happen to the people around us, and we thought we, there's no guarantee for tomorrow to be golden. So we wanted to embrace today. And so we sold our home. We moved to the location. We bought another home there from the sales of the other one. And we started looking for a job and building our career and business here. And Dave's dad also followed us out here. So we continued to care give for him until 2016 when he passed.
0: My goodness. So you, so how old are you now? You said I'm 53. now. 50, you—that's that blows my mind. Looking at you, I would guess you're like 35. <laughs> you look oh, really? very <laughs> yes, you look super youthful. So that's uh, oh, thank that's, you. So you spent all of those years selflessly caring for family that you felt like you were a black sheep from. Found the yeah. beauty in it. Um, shared a, a bond with your mom on something that you're very passionate about right now, and to make. to to be clear. So your mom and stepfather committed suicide. Yes. Oh my goodness. I mean, that's just so much, but what, what a beautiful lesson that you've taken from that. Cause now you're living, like you said, you're living currently in your younger years as if every single day is a gift and every day is the golden years instead of waiting. And that's, that's so beautiful. So what does living the golden years look like for you guys what what type of simplicities or joys or what what does your guys's life look like
1: well we wanted to have um we wanted to have a home that actually felt like a home for me i wanted roots i had a taste of it in our first house and then when we bought the second house i just wanted to really plant those roots that i had grown Mm -hmm. and i wanted them to get strong and stay in that ground i have no desire to travel i have Mm -hmm. no desire for exciting adventures Mm -hmm. i just really want calm and quiet i want my roots really deep um we started converting this property we bought a rental on this like double lot sized piece of property about oh, I don't know, four or five blocks downhill from city center. And um, we converted this entire property into uh, a certified uh, organic, certified with bees, butterfly, uh, wildflower, wildlife organizations, um, so that it's, you know, even the boulevard is planted. It's just a beautiful piece of property, a little oasis um, that we've built slowly over the last 12 years. We've re- we we've done a lot of things to the house like we put in insulation upstairs and new windows and doors and new appliances and all kind of finished the basement Mm -hmm. and built a a deck and built the garage and the workshop and all this stuff that we've done to the place to make it where we felt that it was going to be a home that we could live in for as long as we can live in it. Like, mm-hmm. I'd like to say that we're going to live in it for, to retirement, but who knows how long we'll be able to go up and down the stairs, you know, that kind right. of thing. But as long as we can, you know, we wanted to live here so that when we were planting on the property, we made sure that we had like fruit trees and nut trees and berries and all kinds of food producing things here. So we're able to produce about 60 to 70% of our fruits, nuts, and vegetables wow. right here off of our property, off of this one double lot. Yeah. Oh and, my goodness. Um, Yeah, yeah. And we, of course, fill our home with fur kids. We have, we weren't able to have children. So we adopt dogs, you know, from shelters or rehome situations and stuff like that. That's a passion of ours. I love to dog sit as well. It's one of the services that we do. So for me, that's my passion, my love uh, on a lifestyle level. Uh Um, Definitely. Yeah.
0: Oh, I love you. You are just amazing. You can, when you're, when you're uh, teaching me how to garden, you can dog sit my, my four beasts. <laughs> you probably saw them jumping in and I out did. of the camera <laughs> They're on my I lap did. and hanging out. <laughs> that's, that is so cool. You know what I really love about, you know, in conclusion to this, what I really love is that, uh, you'll notice on my logo for the podcast has the, the Volkswagen bus. It's the freedom symbol for travel. And, you know, that's, that's my own personal definition of, of happiness is experiencing anything and everything across the world. Like that, that's what I love. And so a lot of my guests come on here, they share that same passion. What I really love about you is that you're not that way that you love like your peace, your freedom, your absolute um, happiness is in putting the roots down and being in one place and making and having that safety and security of home, because there's so many people that are also like that. So I love that you're a guest that is kind of the opposite of what a lot of my other guests are that want to be free spirits roaming. You are showing that a life of, you know, it's sustainable. You guys are growing your own food. Are are you guys off grid or do you guys use... No, unfortunately we're
1: not. I would love like there's a couple of really good uh solar power mm-hmm. companies here in town that will install solar uh in the in the region I mean of, of the Kootenai mm-hmm. region. And um I would love to do that, but you know, sure. financial constraints. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: That yeah, yeah. darn One...
1: mortgage has to be paid and all yeah, of that. Darn. So, <laughs> I but, know. Yeah. but no, it's, I it's... would love to.
0: It's just beautiful though. And the fact, like what I really love is that you're taking that lifestyle and educating others on how they can implement one piece of it or two pieces or whatever. It doesn't have to be kind of an all or nothing. You're just gently offering your knowledge and passions to others. And it's it's really beautiful. And oh my gosh, I just what a what a strong person you are. It's so admirable. Well, <laughs> well
1: thank you. I appreciate that. That's really kind of you to say. I think the only thing like adventurous that uh that I and you know am doing or would do is just camping like we like yeah. camping we sure. used to have a camp camper trailer that we would tow mm-hmm. behind our jeep um we don't know we no longer have it so we haven't been camping for the last few years but mm-hmm. that was something that we did uh several times a year take the trailer out and go to one of the lakes surrounding lakes in the sure. region and you know hang out for a week and Absolutely. you know for me I would just love to zen you know sit mm-hmm. by the fire and yeah I don't know I just love the zen part of of camping uh, yeah. off season because during the peak season then you got kids running around and yeah you know, screaming and all that so it's <laughs> not so nice yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's like each of us are, are, we, we just have a different path and that's, what's really right. interesting in all of the guests that I and have the pleasure of interviewing is you had the, you had the, the busyness, the chaos, the stress, the go, go, go your first 20, 25 years of your life. So I, I mean, if that was me, I too would probably just, just want to be in a safe place and Zen out by a campfire. And that would be yes. new to me. That would be something I hadn't experienced yet. So it's so, it's so awesome to see the opposite side of what some other <laughs> people, you know, define. Is there right. anything in conclusion that you would like to share with our listeners on, on just anything, anything else you want to add for inspiration, well, you know, for knowledge? I- I think
1: that, you know, it's, it really is so easy to make a difference and to live a life of purpose. And some of us just don't know where to start. I think just, just sit down maybe one day with your cup of coffee or beer or whatever, and in a piece of paper and start thinking about the things that you really enjoy, things that you, that give you a little boost, you know, whether it's a flower or whether it's volunteering Mm -hmm. or whatever it is that gives you a little boost and makes you feel better in life and try to find a way of pursuing that in your community. You know, Um, there are so many things, so many activities, so many positive, wonderful uh, events and organizations going on. And I think that even if all we do is get behind those organizations regarding, you know, liking and sharing their posts Mm -hmm. and letting other people know about what's going on in your own community, spreading the word about the activities. That alone can have such a profound impact on your your community and in your own life too. Because I think when we become more aware of what's happening around us, we start realizing, you know, the world's not so dark. It's not so dangerous. There are tons of thousands of millions of caring people out there yes. doing wonderful work to make the world a better place and
0: you know if all we do is celebrate them yes. that's pretty powerful absolutely yeah. beautifully said you're you're amazing i just love you <laughs> they're <Thank laughs> so you. awesome and last but not least i'm going to put this in the show notes as well where can people find out more about you find your books find your blog etc what's your website
1: Okay, the main website is brummettmedia.ca. That's B-R-U-M-M-E-T, brummettmedia.ca is our main website. They can also just do an internet search on Brummet mm-hmm. and they'll find you know pages and pages of links. Sure. Uh, but if they go to Amazon, type in the word Brummet, they'll find our six books there. Uh, definitely keep an eye out this summer. We have a trilogy coming out celebrating Dave's dad's lifetime collection of poetry and short stories and family memoirs. Wow. And then next year, of course, we have that garden book in the in the roster for publication next year. So, so excited! Lots to come up. So keep looking at Amazon for that. If they have a chance, look up uh, Brummett's conscious blog. I think your audience in particular would be
0: most interested in that blog. Absolutely! Oh my gosh, Lillian, you are lovely. Thank you so much for your time and your energy. I'm so grateful for the time you gave us today.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks for listening. For more on this guest, simply check the show notes. Like what you hear? Please subscribe, review, and share this podcast. Together, we can grow and inspire.